If you've traveled, you've likely noticed that no matter where you meet God's people in the world, we've all got some family resemblance, don't we? Well, that's because we love the same things and we have the same spirit living inside each of us, God's spirit, who consistently helps us look more like his son, Jesus Christ. Today on Through the Bible, Dr. J. Vernon McGee's study takes us through Philippians 2 and explains what it means to be more like Christ. But speaking of traveling the world, our world prayer team is traveling on our knees this week, celebrating God's work in our lives. See if you can spot the family resemblance from these listeners who've written to us recently. A listener who hops aboard the Bible bus in his language of Mandarin shares this. God's word is a wonderful remedy for man. His word is our comfort in the midst of trials. God's word is our companion in times of loneliness. God's word is food for the starved. His word is balm for injuries, joy in miseries, strength in weakness, weapon in wars, a treasury of truths, the evidence for knowing God himself, the origin of all wisdom, the foundation for trusting him, the principle for man to believe, the mirror of his conscience, and the guide for going to heaven. May God's word light our way. May his word satisfy the craving of our spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Now, here's a word of gratitude from a listener of our Mongolian program. I live with my husband and two children in a southwestern province of Mongolia. I recently decided I wanted to live as a believer and accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I started to attend a church, and now I feel the power of God and prayer in the lives of my family. But I have struggled to read the Bible. In truth, I found it not very interesting. Last week, my friend gave me a radio and told me about your program. I began to listen every day. It is a good friend when I am lonely. I am very excited now because this program is a great help to me to read and understand the Bible better. I find I cannot wait for the next program to begin. And then our last letter, this is from a listener of our Cantonese program in Hong Kong. My wife and I have been out of work, and our 12-year-old son is very ill. I recently have been on many interviews and pray the Lord will provide me with a job. It is easy to get discouraged, so I'm grateful for your programs that fill my mind with God's Word. Please pray the Lord will guard my heart and my mind. Will you also pray that I might receive the good news of a job? May all the glory be to the Lord Jesus. You know, let's do that. Let's pray for this believer in Hong Kong. Let's pray that he might find work and find satisfaction in Christ as well. Let's pray for each other also and for the effectiveness of Through the Bible. Your prayer support, as we've said before, is the most important ministry that you can have with Through the Bible. If you want to find out more about our world prayer team and how you can join in this privilege, just visit ttb.org forward slash pray or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's pray as we begin our study. Heavenly Father, thank you for your family of Christians throughout the world who support one another and through the Bible and prayer. Thank you for working in us and through us. We ask that your spirit produces your fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now get ready. We're headed to Philippians 2 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we have been following in this second chapter the pattern of Christian living. And that pattern we have seen is not imitation, but it's impartation of the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. That is, permit the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Now, that fruit is love, joy, peace, and it's long-suffering, and it's humbleness, and that is the thing that characterized the Lord Jesus, humility. And that was the mind that when he humbled himself, 
came down from heaven's glory and went to the cross. Now, the mind of God here is to exalt Christ. And therefore, there are two things that should characterize the Christian today. And John the Baptist expressed it. He must increase, I must decrease. And if that's not happening in your life, my friend, just very candidly, you are not living for Christ. You are not living the Christian life. And I don't care who you are. You could be a preacher. You could be a Sunday school teacher. You could be a deacon in the church. And believe me, there are a lot of deacons today that need to have him increase and have them decrease. And the less we see of some of us and the more we see of Christ, it will certainly be better for those that are around us today. Now, we saw that Paul had the mind of Christ. He just wanted his life to be a drink offering, poured out on the sacrifice of Christ. And Paul just wanted one thing, that Christ be exalted, and that as that drink offering poured on a red-hot sacrifice, why, it just went up in steam. Paul said that, I just want my life to be like that, evaporated, lived out, given for Christ. And then we saw Timothy, a young man, walking in the Roman Empire, and he was like-minded with Paul. So he had the mind of Christ. And now we come today to Epaphroditus. He was the pastor of the church there in Philippi. He was the one that brought the message to Paul, and he's going to be sent back now. And Paul has something nice to say about him. Paul was always saying something complimentary of the local pastor. That is, if it could be said, Paul was not a hypocrite in this, and he didn't go around backslapping. But when a man was standing for God, Paul stood with him, of course. And we find here that he identifies himself with Epaphroditus. He calls him my brother, my companion, my fellow soldier. Now, will you notice that again? Paul says here, verse 25, "...yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. My companion in labor, and he's my brother, and he's my fellow soldier. Paul stood shoulder to shoulder with this man, and this man stood shoulder to shoulder with Paul. Now, for he longed after you all, and he was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. This is almost humorous here. You see, this man, Epaphroditus, he got sick, and word was sent back to the church in Philippi that their own pastor was sick, and he longed for them. Chances are he was homesick, too. And when he heard that the church back there was mourning for him because he was sick, he had a relapse because it hurt him that they were hurt because he was hurt. It's a sort of a vicious cycle here, but may I say it's a good vicious cycle that we have here, and it reveals the marvelous church that was at Philippi. And you can always, I think, judge a church 
by its relationship and attitude to a pastor who preaches and teaches the Word of God. When deacon takes me aside and says to me, Dr. McGee, you know, we have a fine young man here today. He's preaching and teaching the Word of God. You know, I always feel good. And then when some deacon takes me aside and says, Say, how do you get rid of a fellow like this? He's too opinionated. He's too dogmatic. He wants to run things. Now, I ask, is he preaching and teaching the Word of God? Oh, yes, he does that, but we've had that all along. Well, believe me, that's what had, had no effect upon that man, that is for sure. And you can generally judge a church by its attitude and relationship to a man who preaches and teaches the Word of God. You can always do that. Just check in, and you'll find that's been true. And when a church begins to reject a man who preaches and teaches the Word of God, the church is doomed, my friend, and that is the death knell of many churches across this land today. You see, the devil has been very clever. He does not now attack the Word of God itself. I gave up a long time ago giving apologetic sermons. The Bible doesn't need defending. The Spirit of God take care of that. In fact, Paul wrote, you can do nothing against the truth. <laughs> you just let the enemy keep hammering away and let us keep hammering away, giving out the Word of God. And we don't need to defend the Bible. So the devil today doesn't make his attack on the Bible. He makes his attack upon the man who is preaching and teaching the Word of God. And you'll find that that's true across this land today. And I do think that I know pretty well the pulse of the conservative churches across this land, as I've been in many of them, and I think this is the real test. So this man Epaphroditus, the pastor of the church in Philippi, my, what a wonderful relationship, and it speaks well of the church in Philippi. And we've already seen it was a wonderful church, and they love Paul also. Now, Paul goes on to say, he says, For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, at this point, I want to call attention to something and I'm going to say something, maybe it's just a little mean, but I want to say it because many of these people today that believe in the faith healers are friends of mine, and they love the Word of God, and I love it, and they are fine folk. They just don't always agree with me in everything. And, of course, it may be I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't think so. But nevertheless, will you notice this? Paul here is in prison in Rome. He has a thorn in the flesh. The Lord Jesus wouldn't remove it. This wouldn't remove it, but gave him grace to bear. Timothy has stomach trouble. And you'd think Paul, Paul was a faith healer, by the way. He was an apostle. And those gifts ended with the apostles. And so Paul, the faith healer, what did he do with Timothy? Pray over him, pour a little oil on him. No, he told him to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. Now, he's got a sick young preacher with him. And now Epaphroditus has been with him and almost died. 
And here you got a faith healing, and he's not working. <laughs> he didn't heal anybody. But he gives all the credit to God. It all came about in a very natural sort of way. They made the matter of prayer, and God heard and answered prayer. And you know why? Because at this late stage, even before the apostles disappeared from the scene, the emphasis is beginning to move back to the great physician. You see, what we're talking about in this epistle is this. He must increase. I must decrease. Now, friends, if I turn out to be a faith healer, I'm somebody. <laughs> I'm different. Oh, I'm great. But you want to know something? I'm not. Not at all. The Lord Jesus is the great physician. When I first had cancer, oh, I got all number of letters. Go see so-and-so. Go see so-and-so. No, I didn't go see anybody, friends, except a very fine cancer specialist here in Southern California. And then I went to the great physician, and I had an appointment with him, and I told him I wanted to live. Turned my case over to him. And you know, he gets the credit. There's not a faith healer on top side of this earth that can take credit for what God has done for me. Therefore, I say to you, even Paul the Apostle, toward the end of his ministry, is putting no emphasis on that whatsoever. And he's got a young hospital with him, by the way, just a bunch of sick preachers. And he did not exercise a gift that he had. Why? Well, because Paul is beginning to now shift the emphasis where it should be and must be upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend. Now, Paul says, I'm going to send him back to you. Notice verse 28. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice. Paul wanted them to rejoice, not sorrow, and that I may be the less sorrowful. I've been disturbed about the church in Philippi because it's been in mourning instead of rejoicing. Now he says, verse 29, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Believe me, the respect that should be shown, the one who is teaching the Word of God, or the one who has an office and a gift that God is using, that gift and that individual should be respected. Not that the individual should receive anything, but the fact that the emphasis today, friends, is on the person of Christ. And therefore, the emphasis moves to the Word of God, which reveals Christ. And the emphasis, therefore, today should be on the book, the Word of God. We have all kinds of meetings today, and I just don't go to them anymore. I was asked to speak at a convention. And they had all sorts of little meetings where they're going to discuss this problem, that problem, and the other problem. And psychology is one of the things it's had its day, I think. And right now there is a moving of the Spirit of God upon the Word of God. And a great many people are finding today that psychology was, well, a Pied Piper that led a great many of the shallow saints off into a detour and a great many of them have followed that and followed other things. 
My friends, it's the Word of God that reveals Christ. And somebody says, McGee, you certainly are hipped on this. Well, somebody needs to be hipped on it, and I'm perfectly willing to be the one to be hipped on it today. That the emphasis must be upon the Word of God. And if we really believe that, and I take myself aside many times, and I say, oh God, I believe it's your Word, help my unbelief. Help me to rest upon it. Why, I marvel today at some of the letters that we get. Absolutely, I marvel at the letters. I just don't believe God can use this broadcast like that. And you know why? Because I've got unbelief, and I don't believe God as I should believe Him. And that is the problem, I dare say, with most of us. Instead of running around to all of these little conventions and these little meetings where we try to solve problems by psychology and we talk about the drug problem and the hippie problem and the sex problem and the superstar problem and the youth problems and the senior citizen problem, my friend, the problem is that we just don't get back to the Word of God. Now, will you let me finish chapter 2 with verse 30? Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. The work of Christ, that means this man had the mind of Christ also. Now, I do not know what this does for you. But for me, this sort of sends chills up and down my spine. It makes my hair, you know, feel like it's standing on ends. When I read here, in the first century in the Roman Empire, have you ever read very much about that Roman Empire of the first century? That empire of Caesar Augustus? That empire that moved out and took over the world? and that the law of Rome became supreme everywhere, and that there was no mercy shown anyone, but there was law and order everywhere. Then there went out this little man, Paul the apostle, and those that were with him and like-minded with him, and they preached a gospel where there was a God of the universe who through a redemption that he had wrought on a Roman cross had provided mercy for mankind. I want to tell you, multitudes turn to the Lord Jesus in that day. Now I see walking down the streets of Rome, I see a man that's been in chains. I see a man that's chained to a soldier. His name is Paul the Apostle. What's he doing? Well, he's got the mind of Christ and he's rejoicing in the Lord. And I see a young preacher, Timothy, fine young man walking down in that pagan city. We say you can't live for Christ today, my friend. Look at Timothy. He did pretty well. He had the mind of Christ. And then I take a look at the Epaphroditus, a faithful pastor, way up yonder in Philippi. It was a Roman colony, but there was this pagan heathen city and he has the mind of Christ. And I say to Vernon McGee, let's get out today and have the mind of Christ and don't offer excuses in these days in which we are living. Now we come to chapter 3, and now we've come to the prize for Christian living. We've had the philosophy of Christian living. 
for me to live is Christ to die, gain. We have seen the pattern for Christian living. And in that pattern for Christian living, we have seen, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now there's a prize for Christian living. And we're going to see that. Paul said he's going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now what we have here in chapter 3, first of all, we have Paul changed his bookkeeping system here of the past. And we are going to see how he did that. And then we're going to see in verses 10 through 19, Paul changed his purpose for the present and then Paul changed his hope for the future. And that's important to see. Now, Paul believed that God was going to establish a kingdom on this earth. He never changed from that. But he did see that there was a marvelous, wonderful hope for believers today in Christ, both Jew and Gentile, in the body of believers, that there was coming a day when he would take his own out of the world. This is a very wonderful chapter we're going to look at. Now, when we come here to verse 1 in this section where Paul changed his bookkeeping system of the past, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, apparently, he was coming to the end of his epistle to the Philippians. You can see it was really going to be a very brief one. And it was a thank you note. And he was now drawing it to an end. And he says, finally, my brethren. But the Spirit of God now is going to move him on because he's only halfway through the epistle. He's only halfway through. And by the way, when your preacher says, now in the last place are finally my brethren, and actually he's only halfway through his sermon. Don't find fault. He's just really being scriptural because that's the way Paul did it. Finally, my brethren, he says, rejoice in the Lord. My wife reminded me in a conference some time ago where I was speaking, and she said, you said, now let me say this to you here in the final case, the final analysis, and then I'll be through. And she said, you weren't through for 15 minutes. You weren't through at all. Well, now, my wife can talk to me like that, I guess. At least she does. And I told her I was just being scriptural. Paul said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, you notice that's going to be his final word. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That's his last word to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord. I believe that if Paul was here at this microphone... I think that he would like to just say this word to you, Christian friend, wherever you are. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That's his message. That's a command, by the way. And we're going to see that in the next chapter when we look at the power for Christian living. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it's safe. In other words, Paul says that it's been no burden to him to write this letter. There was no burden on his heart like there was when he wrote to the Galatians and wrote to the Corinthians because there were problems in those churches. And Paul says, 
Why, this has been a great joy to me, and it's perfectly safe for me to write these things to you. Now he's thought of something else, and we just don't have time today to see what it is, but next time we're going to see these other things that the Spirit of God says are all important. So until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Well, now we understand a little better why Philippians is called the Epistle of Joy. If you want to spend more time in this section of God's Word yourself, why don't you download our app and listen again to this message at ttb.org. And while you're there, be sure to download our Bible Companion for Philippians. It's really a great resource to take you deeper into all that we're studying together. Again, you'll find all these and even more resources for free at ttb.org. Or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can answer your questions about this fruitful ministry. Well, you can reach us anytime at 1-800-65-BIBLE or ttb.org. The Bible bus will be coming round your corner next time. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here holding the doors open as you hop aboard. It'll be so good to be together again. Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.